Are you ready, 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 ready for a party with the prodigal? About a father, you know the way he loves our kids the same. Younger one is outside, about to say goodbye. Gonna miss him, he running away. Got a bag full of money, feeling ready, feeling lucky, and he's leaving home today. Got a vision while living, and we're surely gonna miss him. Then he turned around to say, I'm leaving home, I'm on my way. Gonna try and live this life my own way. Goodbye, goodbye. You know the way he loves the kids the same. He was looking outside when the miracle arrived. Saw his son started running his way. Come on, let's boogie, find a rhythm, make it groovy. All of heaven gonna praise. Wasted all that money, feeling hungry. He was muddy, then he turned around to say, I'm going home, I'm on my way. Gonna follow God and live my life his way. Almost home, almost home. Prodigal. Running, running away. He was running, running, running away. He was running, running, running away. He was running, running, running away. Now we're bringing, bringing, bringing him back. 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 Good evening. My name is Ashley Lentz. I'm one of the pastors here. We do not believe it's an accident. You have joined us for worship. We are so glad that you are here to celebrate the Jesus party uh, that is happening during Taste of Hope and that has happened over the last couple weeks. In case you missed it, we're coming out of VBS, Vacation Bible School, and it was an absolute blast to see all the kids and leaders. We had, I wrote this in my Bible, so don't forget, we had over 600 volunteers and close to 1,400 kids in this building over the last couple weeks. That is absolutely amazing, and it's so much fun. I'm so glad that you joined us. If this is like your first time here, an extra special welcome. I want to talk a little bit about Vacation Bible School and like what we do around here, because at first glance, it can seem a little bit crazy. You can look at it all and go, the lights, the music, the dancing. We have uh, a fairly new hire on our admin team. Her name's Katie. And she was helping me hand out stickers one day. And Katie said, so do we buy the music? And I was like, oh, no. We make the music and the dance moves and all the things. And from an outside perspective, it kind of just looks like a show. Uh, I grew up at Hope. It's kind of ingrained in my DNA. So I know that there's a lot more to it. But if this is one of your first visits, it's easy to sit here and go, why is it such a big show? Like, my kids love it, but this is like 
why are, why are we doing this? We're not doing it because we want you to like love, hope the church. We're doing it because it points people to Jesus. And we're unapologetic about the way that having a show like this points people to Jesus. It's not about the lights. It's not about the music. It's not about the dance moves. It's about pointing people to Jesus and building a foundation for young people and their families that will not waver throughout their entire life. Uh, If you uh, have been around Hope for a while, we've been reading through our Bible in a year, and we find ourselves at the end of the letters to the Corinthian church. If you're new and you're like, well, not coming back, haven't read my Bible all year, that's okay. We're going to pick up today at the end of 2 Corinthians, and you're always invited back, and whether you want to, Galatians starts on Monday. If you want to start reading with us, you certainly can. Or you don't have to, but you're always welcome back. You haven't missed anything. I'm going to fill you in on where we've been uh, in the book of uh, the letters to the first and second Corinthian churches. But what we find is that as Paul ends this letter to the Corinthian church, he talks about being strong in our weaknesses. And it's totally weird and it doesn't really make sense, but it ties into Vacation Bible School really, really well. And so I will frame that up for you quick. But Back to why we do things the way that we do. Why do we have giant water slides and a Kona ice truck and walking tacos and pickleball outside? Again, not because we think we're awesome, because we want to point people to Jesus. In the fall of 2019, uh, a team across Hope sat down to map out 10 goals or vision statements that we would achieve over the next 10 years. So 2020 is when we kind of launched these. So the years 2020 to 2030. And one of the, we called it the 10 for 10, 10 goals, 10 vision statements in 10 years. One of those vision statements directly impacts why we do VBS, Hope Kids, Power Life, Ignition, our middle school and high school ministries, Revive, our young adult ministry, why we do it the way we do it. Here is our 10 for 10 vision statement that's titled Compete. This is straight off of our website. We compete for the hearts of new generations of believers by developing highly creative, fully functional, grace-based disciple-making ministries that will proclaim the gospel to one million youth and young adults over the next decade. We can easily read that and go, whoa, that's a lofty goal. It is. And we believe that that is the power of God at work in and through each one of you and this place and all of you in our community to do miraculous and remarkable things And this statement begins with the word compete. In fact, that's like the title for the statement, compete. And again, if you're new, you might go, hmm, I don't really know how I feel about that word. Like the church wants to compete. That kind of has some negative connotations. I'm not sure how I feel about it. It's a little aggressive, perhaps. Maybe. Here's why we compete. This last week at Vacation Bible School, I was alerted by my staff that it was dead week or no contact week. And I was like, what are you talking about? I'm like, that's like a college thing before you start finals. I had no idea what they're talking about. Did you know that for the last three years, this is the third year, the state of Iowa has mandated one week in the summer, a Sunday to a Sunday, where there can be no school sporting events at all. No weightlifting, no contact with your coaches, like nothing. It was dead week this last week. We live in a culture that so deeply competes for our kids' time, for their energy, for our resources, that if we don't compete as a church, we're going to miss generations of kids. We're going to miss generations of families. 
who can build their life on something that we know is eternal. Sports are a good thing. Extracurriculars are a good thing. They're not bad things. But there's only one week where some of you can go on vacation. Not you guys. You're all sitting here. It's the people who aren't here. There's only one week where we can go on vacation, maybe, because of our kids' schedules. This is why we unapologetically compete. We do the music. We do the lights. Because what we can build for kids here, not hope, but as a community, a church community, all believers, what we can build for kids and families is eternal. They can do all the stuff. We can fill their schedules. It's not bad stuff. But man, if we miss this, we're missing it all. There is nothing more impactful than building for our kids and our families a foundation that will last them forever, that brings eternal life. Don't miss this church. That's why we do Vacation Bible School the way that we do Vacation Bible School. I want to jump to the last sentence in this vision statement. We encourage and teach new generations to participate fully in the life of the whole church as a vitally important part of our present, not just our future. We invite young generations of people to participate in the life of the church, the whole life of the church, in the present. I have a one and a half year old, and it's really easy. He runs around, he climbs everything. He is like uncontainable in the stage of life that he is in. And it's really easy for uh, myself and my husband to be like, yeah, we're not going to church. I'm here, but like he doesn't necessarily have to be here, right? It's really easy to be like, well, when Paxton is, you know, hope kid's age, when he can go to Sunday school, then, then he can come to church. Or maybe when he's in middle school, when it's time for confirmation, then we can go to church. Maybe when he gets to high school, when he really needs some Jesus, that's, that's when we can start making it a priority. That's looking toward the future, but there's present glory here right now. For every single person, every single family, it's God's grace, it's God's love, it's God's power in every single season of life that you're in, and you're invited to it. It's why we have a big party in the parking lot. It's why we do vacation Bible school. It's why when you show up at Christmas, there's lights and sound. Same thing at Easter. Did you know we actually have a Jesus party every single weekend? It's called weekend worship services. We party for Jesus because we take Jesus really seriously and we know that we need to compete for your time and your energy and your family and we do it totally unapologetically because it matters. It absolutely matters. And we do it with grace. We develop highly creative, fully functional, grace-based disciple-making ministries. Why is grace important? Well, there are some churches out there that tell you, you got to do all this stuff. Like, you're not really welcome until you check all the boxes. When you go to Hope Kids and then confirmation ministry and then high school ministry and then go on that mission trip and then give 10% of your income, whatever. once you do the things, then, then, you can, then you are welcome. You can show up. Grace means it's already done for you. This invitation is already yours. What kids will proclaim leaving Vacation Bible School is that Jesus loves them. Jesus loves me. I bet if you had a kid in VBS and you asked them, getting in the car, leaving one day, what did you learn today? They said something about Jesus, God's power, his strength, his miracles, his love, his grace. That's grace-based ministry. There's nothing our families or our kids do to earn God's love. 
It's freely given to them. And they show up at a place like VBS and they revel in it. We all revel in it. Isn't it amazing? Oh my goodness, as tired as I feel, it is the most glorious thing to witness because it's so pure and so beautiful and it's grace-based. And this brings us right to where Paul meets the Corinthian church at the end of 2 Corinthians. If you have your Bibles, you can open with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I want to tee this up for you because what Paul does in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 is really, really incredible. But we have to back up a little bit to understand like the fullness of what he's saying. So I'm going to geek out for just like five minutes. Stick with me, okay? So 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Paul is about to boast about his strengths. And in Paul's day in the Roman Empire, boasting, listing all your accomplishments was a really good thing. It showed you had status. And those lists sounded like, I have served on this council. I have been this governor. I do this. I have done this. I have traveled here. I have done this. And Paul, throughout his first and second letters to the Corinthian churches, says, you know what, church? He says, you want worldly wisdom. And I'm here to tell you, worldly wisdom is uncomparable to godly wisdom. Worldly wisdom will not do it for you. But since you're stubborn, I'll meet you on your playing field. I'll bring you worldly wisdom if that's what you want. So that's what he does at the end of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he says in verse 16, listen to me as you would to a foolish person while I boast a little. He's already calling himself foolish because he doesn't actually believe in boasting. He says it's not going to do him any good, but he's going to play the game. Verse 18, and since others boast about their human achievements, I will too. Are they servants of Christ? I know I sound like a madman, but I have served him far more. I have worked harder been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number, and faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and robbers. Isn't it tiring? You're like, that's a lot of stuff, Paul. It is a lot of stuff, and he keeps going. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty and have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Then, besides all this, I have the daily burden of my concern for the churches. Paul's boasting because that's what the church wants. The church wants him to list the reasons that he has authority as an apostle. What are your credentials, Paul? Really, in 1 and 2 Corinthians, the Corinthian church's problem is with Paul. So Paul has to use worldly wisdom to show them something so much greater because what the church is missing is Jesus. They're so focused on the worldly stuff, the worldly competitions, the worldly philosophy that they miss Jesus. Does it sound like a world we live in today? So Paul strategically boasts. And then he bridges from boasting about his achievements and his accomplishments to boasting about his weaknesses. And in Paul's day, you do not boast about weakness. Weakness means you have no place at the top of the list. Weakness means you're a coward, you don't really belong. And Paul bridges this gap. He says, if I must boast... I would rather boast about the things that show how weak I am. I'd rather boast about the things that show how weak I am. 
And the original church would have thought, baloney, no way are you going to boast about weaknesses. Discredit, discredit, discredit. But he does something that this culture would have very pointedly understood. He references climbing a wall, getting out of a city. On the screen, you see the Greek goddess Tike. She is the goddess of good fortune, um, luck. And she, this was excavated in Corinth. And she bears the crown. This is called in Latin the corona muralis, the crown of murals or the crown of walls. And the highest military honor in Roman society was to be awarded this crown, like the medal of honor, if you will. You were awarded this crown if you laid siege to a city and you were the first person over those walls, which is a very dangerous thing to do, right? If you're sieging a city, you got to put ladders up against the walls and you got to climb them. And the first person over that wall is actually like a sitting duck because they are now in enemy territory by themselves because they were the first person over the wall. So most of these crowns were awarded after people had died. But if you survived and you were present for the ceremony to get your crown, you would state before whatever God you chose, maybe TK, whatever God you chose, that you indeed were the first person over that wall. And Paul references this. He says in verse 31, God, the Father of our Lord Jesus, who is worthy of eternal praise, knows I am not lying. I appeal to God. He knows I'm not lying. When I was in Damascus, the governor under under King Aretas kept guards at the city gates to catch me. I had to be lowered in a basket through a window in the city wall to escape from him. It seems really weird to us. We're like, this is kind of odd. If you're in the Corinthian church, this crown is going off in your head. The light bulbs start going off and you're like, is Paul referencing the highest honor one can bear? Yes, in fact, he is. And then he boasts about his weaknesses. He starts talking about a spiritual experience that he could boast about. He says, this is something that I could boast about, but I'm not going to do that in verse 5. I'm, I will boast only about my weaknesses. So he's got their attention. The light bulbs have gone off. And he says, but I'm going to only boast about my weaknesses. He does that. He says, so to keep me from becoming proud... I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan, to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. And again, we pause and we go, this is weird. Like, why is Paul boasting about strengths and now weaknesses? And then he mentions this weird thorn in his flesh. Scholars, theologians have gone round and round about what this actually could be that Paul is referencing. What is this thorn in his flesh? They land pretty confidently on some physical ailment that Paul had, whether it was a disease or an injury that kept hurting him. We're not really sure, but there was something physically that Paul had that would have completely discredited him from being an apostle to the Corinthian church. Because if you're an apostle, and Paul references them as super apostles in the letter, if you're really a messenger from God, then you don't have physical issues. Can't God just heal those? You have no credit, Paul. That's been their issue with him the whole time. And so Paul says, I was given this thorn to keep me from becoming proud. He goes on, he says, the next verse, he says, three times I begged the Lord to take it away. I prayed, Paul says, that God would take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. There's that grace word. Why do we compete with grace? 
because God's grace is all we need. God's grace is everything. This is the only time in Paul's entire letter that he quotes something from God. He references Christ, he references the Lord and Jesus. This is the only time we get a direct quote from something that God has said to him. And this is what he chooses to quote. My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. That Greek word for grace is charis. The Greek word for gift is charisma. It's the same word. Grace is literally a gift. We don't earn it. No list of achievements can get it for us. Grace is already yours. My power, God says, is best in our weaknesses because none of us have our stuff together all the time. None of us are perfect. Some of us are walking around with physical pain, injury, whatever it is, the loads that we carry, that we've prayed for God to take away. And maybe the answer we've gotten isn't the one we want. Paul prayed for it to be taken away, and the answer he got was, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now, I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses, Paul goes on. It's the next verse. And in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This was not culturally acceptable in Paul's day. The weak had no place. It's not really culturally acceptable in our day either. This is really backward. We are taught, we take it in from the world around us starting at a young age, that we need to do this stuff to achieve. We need to please our parents. We need to please our teachers or our coaches or whatever it is. So this free gift of grace, it doesn't really make sense to us. But there's room for our weaknesses. We're supposed to be human. It's okay. It's a good thing that God is God and we are not. For when we are weak, then we are strong. As I was typing out this, uh, this literal slide, I've had a cold all week because of, you know, the thousands of kids in this building. Yep. And as I was typing out this slide, I popped a cough drop, okay? So I'm sitting in my office. I pop a Hall's cough drop. Do you know what my rapper says? Have any of you read Hall's rappers recently? Here's what it says. Tough is your middle name. You can do it and you know it. Don't try harder, do harder. You've survived tougher. And I was like, this is the culture in which we live. There's no room for weakness. Do you know what's going to make my cold better? It's not, you know, try, do harder. It's sleep. <laughs> when I sleep, my cold, my cold will go away. But isn't this silly? Isn't this exactly what we get from our culture? So what does it mean to be weak? Are we talking physical weakness? Maybe, but that's not all of it. You know what it looks like to be weak in godly terms? Looks like having faith like a child. Pure love of God, untainted by achievements or goals or cultural standards or the world. Do you know where we can see this? Every year I am blown away by watching kids worship. On a Friday, the last day of the week every year, we sing, we sing the prayer song every day of the week. But on Friday, the kids know it because they've sung it all week. 
And this just, was that yesterday? It's Saturday, just yesterday, during closing. I sat right over there on the stage. And these kids had been rowdy for a couple days, right? And we got done with our, we, we sat down to do our prayer song. And you could hear a pin drop because they knew the words and they were ready to worship God. And I, tears welled up in my eyes. I almost could not contain, like almost blubbering, crying because they are singing about God's glory. They get it. And it's untainted by the world. In Jesus' day, kids are not strong. In Paul's day, kids are not strong. Kids are like the bottom of society because they really can't do anything yet. They're really not helpful. They're kind of just a nuisance. They're not really educated yet. So they're pushed to the side. And Jesus doesn't do that to children. Jesus welcomes them time and time again in all three of the synoptic gospels, same lens, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They all record Jesus as welcoming kids into his kingdom. He says, let the children come to me. His disciples were trying to stop them. And Jesus says, no, don't stop them. For the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom like a child will never enter it. I don't know at what age the world starts to heap pressure on us that we actually start to understand it. I grew up in the church, but certainly I know that world today. The kingdom is for all of us. And being like a child, trusting, believing, having fun. We think fun is a pretty serious thing around here. We think Jesus is even more serious. And we have fun while we worship him. When did we get too cool for fun? Immediately following this in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, immediately following this in all three of those gospels, a rich man asks Jesus how he can enter the kingdom. How do I inherit eternal life, he asks. And Jesus says, you know, follow the law, blah, 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 things that this guy already knew. And then he says, give up all your stuff. And the rich man can't do it. It's no accident that Jesus welcomes children. And then the guy who has all this stuff the resources, the status, he followed the rules, he doesn't get it. Kids get it. Don't miss this church. Don't be too cool for Jesus. Don't be too busy that you miss the Jesus party that happens all the time. Don't think and invest in all the other worldly stuff thinking it will get you where you want to go. It won't. It will always let you down because Jesus is the only thing that will build for us a foundation that doesn't waver. Jesus is the only place in culture where you go where you can say, oh, I'm glad I have weaknesses because Christ's power is made perfect in those weaknesses. It's really important that we humble ourselves together, that we know that, that we don't try to be perfect because none of us are. You're welcome here. You don't need to know your Bible. You don't have to have scripture memorized. You don't need to be the best prayer. You don't have to have read all of the daily Bible readings all year. You're welcome here because grace is for you. To just enjoy and be part of this family and embrace what God has for you, it's for you. Grace is yours. Faith is yours. Jesus' love is yours. All of that's already been done. And like kids, we just open our arms and accept it. It's a really beautiful thing. The rest of the world might say, that's kind of weak. It's the strongest thing you'll ever do. It's to surrender to God's power at work within you. Have you ever heard the song, Jesus Loves Me? 
Yeah, okay, so I thought. We're going to sing it together, and I'm going to point out something that's been in there that maybe you've never actually heard. Let's sing it together. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, they are, but he is. Isn't that amazing? How many times have you sung that song? A lot, yeah. My kids in the front row are like 100. Yeah, maybe you sang it a lot of times. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. We all get to be little ones in the kingdom. The kingdom is yours. Don't miss it, church. Don't miss the joy and the excitement and the pure love of God because the world tells you it's not cool, it's not strong, or that your accomplishments matter more. That list of credentials doesn't go with you to heaven. The foundation you build for you and your family and your friends and your coworkers, the way that you carry yourself, that does. And it doesn't just matter for you, it matters for them. There are two things I want to do as we conclude. One of them is we're going to sing another song together. The second one is that we're going to catch God's love. And if you know, you know. If you don't know, you'll be looped in in just a minute. First, we're going to sing a song. If you've been around church world at all in your life, you might recognize the song. Like I said, we end every session with a prayer song. The prayer song this year began with the doxology. Doxa is the Greek word for glory. The doxology is literally giving God glory. It's been around since the early 1700s. And part of the reason my eyes welled up with tears at closing yesterday was because small, pure voices are singing this song that's been around for centuries. They know the words and they're lifting it up as God's glory. So we're going to sing the prayer song together. VBS kids, wherever you are, you can do the motions as you sing. Enjoy this. If there are little voices around you, listen to them. It's really, really, really amazing. Let's sing this together. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures. Sun so high, he made the link 
got to that first holy holy I heard it backstage it was loud pretty incredible what our kids learn you're invited to all of it church don't miss it it's so good God's love is yours and I told you the last thing we were going to do is catch God's love so I'm Marianne I was uh, a skydiving CEO during our skits all week meet uh, Skipper Skipper Emily over here yep 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 professor over here on the electric guitar we have Gilligan yeah and on keys Lifeguard Lindsay, so good. They're gonna help me. You guys, this is the staff here. Are they not seriously incredible? I mean, come on, yeah. We're gonna, we're gonna catch God's love. And because we're talking about childlike faith, you're not all too cool to catch God's love either. So why don't you stand up? I'll show you how we do this. Kids, you know, nudge your parents, be like, you got this. Okay, here's how we catch God's love. We spread our arms as wide as they can go. And we look for God's love. We look for it, we look for it. On the count of three, we're going to catch God's love. Now, I know this is goofy, but church, God's love wants to meet you. If this is a moment where God's love might actually fall on you, please don't miss that. We're going to catch God's love together. We're going to catch it. We're going to look for it. And, oh, by the way, it's so big and awesome and huge that it's going to knock you back into your chair, okay? And we're going to fall on the stage. This is real. This is real, okay? Okay, look for God's love. Does anybody see it? Where? Where? Where's God's love? It's over there. I think it's coming for us. One, two, three. Woo! Oh my goodness. You're all so good at that. Excellent job. Yeah. Let's stand and let's rattle this place a little bit together. 